Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, uh, joined by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? So uh, you and I are both currently uh, reliving the late 90s, early 2000s via prestige uh, television right now. Um, You are currently watching or binging The Sopranos for the first time. Which, which, as an Italian, I can imagine that's that's <laughs> like losing your virginity. It's like, it's like it's like birthright. This you're, is you're the Italian equivalent. The Italian equivalent of birthright. We instead of a trip to Italy, we get we get a free uh, <laughs> HBO Max subscription for three months, so we can watch the uh, Sopranos. Right, right, yeah. And, and I'm currently uh, rewatching The Wire. I watched it uh, for the first time, like probably like five years ago. I, it, oh, like I, I didn't want to watch any of it until i had a chance to like it was it was when we were doing the podcast so it was a little more maybe it was like three or four years because i remember you telling me you were watching it for the first time yeah yeah so because um uh omar died michael uh, kate williams yeah michael williams uh i was like all right was i mean that's that's reason enough to to rewatch the series and it's it's fucking amazing uh because they were both you know the revolutionary shows they changed television um you know like you look at like the kind of tv that we had back then and it was it was you know it was csi you know (laughs) right or nypd blue was like the most prestige version of like you know that 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 copaganda show so like it's just yeah it's it's night and day and you look at i I was really expecting like with sopranos to to watch it and be like oh this is like i was expecting like it would be really good but it would be very um uh, like unmolded clay it would be very like a proto version but it really is like no it's not it's there it's fully fucking formed like from the start of that series to the point where i i I can't imagine what people were like watching that show when it came out because there's just nothing at all like it on television and now we're used to that kind of show like but but you watch that and you watch breaking bad and you're like these could have been made at the exact same time, but The Sopranos was like the first show I mean, to really they kind of do that. <laughs> they they overlapped. Well, by it, no, but I mean, year, it was, but uh, it's still like you know, it was it was still six whatever seven years before. Like, well, you know, we people were watching Lost, you know, and and as much before, as we yeah. love uh, Lindelof for his later stuff, like Lost was a show that got lost (laughs) like it was like this high concept show that everyone thought was going to you know it was like above their intelligence level but eventually they would like figure out what was gonna you know and then like it it wasn't it was like a like they never finished the thought was a right i i and i really i'm definitely a lost apologist but it also because it was on a network because it was on abc lindelof and his his co-creator never wanted it to go for as long as it did and they're like well why don't we give you nine seasons and he's like i want the show to be three seasons and they eventually forced like six seasons out of him and he just had to they just had to pull shit out sure, of it. like it, yeah. it could have been same you know, thing with fucking... x files it was just like let's just run the fucking thing into the well, ground I, I also think chris carter where you know yeah. like the stars left the show and we're gonna just gonna like you know keep keep going the they, show must they go tried on. to fucking make the like i don't know if you remember that because it was so bad like the season's so bad but i think it's like season eight or nine they basically tried to do the x-files with robert patrick and like the other guy oh, yeah, i remember i remember when yeah. it was just like well i guess you know david Duchovny and 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 jillian anderson are like fucking 
you know, they, they don't want anything to do with this show anymore. Let's see if we can make this work. And it just didn't. No, it, it totally didn't. But now it's like, oh, they they got bored. And now they're coming back for like their Phil Collins reunion tour type thing. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. I'm. It was bad. What the, else? The, the new the new season was really bad. I watched it. Oh yeah, it yeah. I watched I watched them, and I was just like, "What's Ugh, like?" They're it's, just it's so depressing. Yeah, yeah. And you realize, kind of, you know, like just how so many of those episodes weren't that good in the first place. And we're like, "What was I watching this show for?" Oh, I was thirteen. That's what. Yeah, so, uh, the, <laughs> the first like three four seasons are really good. It just it when it really you know Chris Carter when he ran out of ideas the, the show creator was just it really went off well, the fucking rails. It was but. like here's this big conspiracy that we're constantly getting closer to and constantly getting closer to and constantly and it's like are we ever going to finally get right. to an end point? I, I couldn't no. even explain that to you no. and I've watched every episode of that series. I could not there's fucking, to explain to you the there's the aliens fucking and there's and fucking bees and it means something and we're never going to finally explain it but it's spooky and then there are right. alien human hybrids and there's some green goo that like will turn you into a like yeah if you don't have a fucking idea for an end point don't start it on your show and make it like the focal point right. of the entire series basically well and then homeboy fucking learned his lesson and was like you gotta have the end point in sight when you're writing a story and then he just does breaking bad and makes you know one of the best shows ever in all history well, <laughs> and- he, so vince gilligan he it was like one of the head writers on X-Files, but he wasn't the show runner like Chris Carter, who kind of created the series. He took over showrunner when Chris Carter left. So that's that's kind of how he uh, yeah, but ended it, up it, being it, the it's... one that just kept it going and going and going. And but yeah, I mean, he talks about it openly. He's, he's like, yeah, that was went off the rails. Know, we didn't we didn't really have a, an idea about where we wanted to land with with that. Um, But yeah, I mean, in and with The Wire, The Wire didn't have an audience until very close to the end of of when it was airing right it really became a a a cultural mecca of television a few years later really and the show really kind of does trick you into thinking it's just like your your typical police procedural thing right uh but i mean i mean the cast is so fucking big it's like game of thrones level uh number of people who are major characters Right. And, right. and almost never interact like you never see McNulty interact with like most of the people like for the most part with with most of the people. Right. That the show profiles. It's really kind of crazy. Because like I mean, you know, and and it's it's realistic. But why would they? Because right. not every person would ever encounter other people. That's and, the, the and cop isn't going to talk to every, you know, street get like it's not yeah. going right. mean, to. Mo- most of the characters on game of thrones never interacted with each other they never had scenes right. together it's just it's like you you have this meta viewpoint as the audience where you're seeing everything and and it's 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 weird when you when you kind of realize that a lot of fans of shows are, are complete idiots because they don't remember who did and didn't have scenes together you know, right. and like, wh- why didn't this person just tell this person this thing? It's like because they've never met them before, right? They don't know like, who that what is. Do you mean they never? I've seen, I've seen the show, and I they were both in the same episode, like, and they've never interacted. So what the fuck are you talking about? I, like, oh, I, I never think, thought of that. Yeah, I think the problem is that unfortunately, like the Marvel movies have conditioned people to think that every movie show, you know, piece of media that you consume is all leading towards all of these characters getting together and having this big blow off this big fight this big whatever and and right. everything's like in service of that and it's a very simplistic style of storytelling what's well, it's, a, and it's, it's like, not very realistic those people, those people that will um 
like refer to 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 their friends that you've never met purely with their first name you know not not say like oh my my friend steve rogers did da 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 right they just go oh yeah steve said da 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 and you're like who the fuck is steve i, I don't i don't, I don't right. know steve have you introduced me to steve oh i guess not like they're not aware of like what circles of friends they have that know each other right and because they uh, there's like a part of their brain that's so self-absorbed that they don't realize that they're not the center of the universe right right and it's it is a character flaw and i've tried to kind of like figure out why there's certain people that just are like that um i think it's kind of human nature it, i don't know like it's human nature i'm i'm very aware of which of my friends know each other and which ones don't no i, I just mean like the self-centered nature <clears throat> of like the way you think about your life and the way it interact like but i and i think you know it's something you can people can obviously overcome but some people are just i think it's self-absorbed there's a level of narcissism there's a level right of, no, of, of course sense of over self-importance that is not normal sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a normal thing because it's a it's a rare th- a trait it's not everyone that does this it's it's only like maybe five percent of people i know that do this okay I don't know. Maybe everyone in New York are just sociopaths because a lot of people like that. Are, but I also think that might be a cultural thing because I think a lot of Italians do that too. Like where there's like, oh yeah, Vinny uh, told me the other day, and I'm like, who the fuck? You know, well, if like you're that's- Italian. Everyone knows a Vinny. That's <laughs> right. just that's not just a- pick a Vinny from your Rolodex of Guineas. You know, just yeah. Fucking- <laughs> Vinny the um- Guinea. Oh man. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm watching The Wire. And I'm on season four right now, and that's when the um, the Polak cop that uh, accidentally shoots another cop and gets fired has to go be a fucking school teacher. And <laughs> right. they, they like most of that because uh, like every every season kind of like shifts focus slightly while having still some like major background players. Right. right. Like that's like the charter school season, season I think, right? Uh, it's not a charter school, but they try to like pu- pull yeah, like all the corner kids magnet school out of class and fuck, put them right? in a special classroom, right? Right. And immediately, all the corner kids figure out like they're being singled out, right? Uh-huh. And, and they're not. The school's not trying to hide that. They're like, yeah, because you're being really disruptive to the rest of the students, and we're trying to figure out if we can, you know, better suit your needs. Uh, and it, you know, it, so so the cop that like has a, uh, you know, short fuse is put in a situation where you're like you're convinced he's gonna like fucking kill one of these kids right right. and he's trying to he's struggling to like reach them by like hey they don't want to learn math but like what if i can teach them about probability of rolling dice you know like that's so it's you know it's it's like that but like it's it's hilarious to me that i mean the casting was so good this is this is a show with just a massive and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of characters who are mostly black Right. This is inner city Baltimore. And, you know, every single almost every single black actor on the show went on to have like a huge fucking career. Right. You know, like, like Michael B. Jordan was a fucking Elba, nobody. Right. You know, when, like like every black person on Walking Dead came from the wire. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's his face? Uh, Chad every, Coleman. Every, so all of them. All, all every them, single all one them. to a name. Um, but the, the the kids they cast to play the high schoolers who all act like real high schoolers. It's incredible mm-hmm. to watch that because it's like every other show you watch with high school kids that act nothing like high school kids uh, are actually twenty eight years old. Are twenty eight years old going on forty? <laughs> right. Um. So there's this fucking movie that I saw a trailer for <laughs> in the theater a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a parody. I th- it was like I thought, am I watching like an SNL sketch? Because this is this is like so cringe that it couldn't possibly not be on purpose. Right. 
uh and it and sure enough it was not on purpose it was it was completely on the nose so if you've not heard of this yet this is a movie based on a hit broadway musical which lets you know that you you don't need to go see it okay if if you're you're a fan of musicals fine like i liked la la land that movie works. That movie worked fucking great. All, right, and that also wasn't a like it. I, it, wasn't actually, a mu- it wasn't a Broadway right. show first. You cannot right. translate the, the 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 medium of a Broadway musical into a motion picture film. It just does not work. It does not translate. Right. It's very it's very difficult. I mean, and honestly, it's better seen as like even like when they record it, like for like if you ever watch the Phantom of the Opera movie, it's pretty fucking bad. But if you ever watch the like they recorded the Phantom of the Opera like at the London Philharmonic for like the anniversary or whatever, yeah, just, and it's just, fucking great. Like yeah, just it's, filming the actual stage production, right? Is that's fucking be great because you get you get it. You get why people are over emoting things because you're trying to make sure the person in the back fucking row of the mezzanine right. can read your facial expression. That doesn't work when you put a camera, uh, you know, inches away from somebody's face and they react the same way. And that's why usually right. if you do adapt something, you don't have the same actors from from broadway <laughs> play the same fucking character because it's just like they don't know how to it, it's so a, anyway if you've not seen the trailer for uh dear evan hansen pause us go watch it and come back because my fucking god <laughs> find an older one too because they've since uncanny valleyed uh the elite actor and smoothed his face out although you know watch them both because they're both ridiculous for for different reasons they're but, just they're uh, making it worse so they had this guy who was the original lead in the Broadway thing when he was yeah, 23. He's 23. I've never heard of this guy before, so I, I don't fucking just. Know. I think he's just a Broadway guy. Yeah. He's fucking sure he's probably a young gay guy who likes theater. Okay, sure. And he played it when he was 23. And you look at pictures of him when he was 23, and it's like, okay, yeah, he could play 18. Sure. Right. Uh, and, and now that he's 28, um, they decided, well, we got to make him look younger to, to star in this movie. Uh, playing the same role and they everything they did made him look older somehow so now it looks like it's it's fred armiston in an snl sketch <laughs> it, you know, it's so it's bad Buscemi with the skateboard hello kids or, right. hello fellow kids so um uh, yeah well no so i mean so initially you know they released the trailer for this and people like lost their fucking minds because like there's there's shots of him in the trailer where he looks like he's 45 and so there was such an uproar, much like with 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 the cats animation, that they literally like pulled it before, like seconds before. So same thing, Sonic with the teeth. Same like minutes before it was getting released to theater. I mean, not literally, but like really, like weeks before, and fucking like tried to digitally de-age him to make it less uh, noticeable that he's like ancient. And what resulted from it was this just horrific, uncanny valley like smooth faced weirdo that 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 is now you know the lead of this movie and it's just so i mean it's not since since uh what's his face sunny in greece <laughs> that fucking you know the guy the picture that everyone shares of the guy the guy one of the guys in uh in travolta's gang in greece who's clearly like 45 years old but is like supposed to be an 18 year old <laughs> like not since that guy has there been such a fucking obvious you know grown-ass man playing a 17 or 18 year old but nobody expects the characters in greece to really be teenagers right because it's just like you just accept it because they're all acting a certain way 
right? right. They're, they're, not, they're, not the 70s, to, right. Like they're not trying to hide it. And that's the thing is like, the more you try to hide it, the more it becomes the thing you can't stop thinking about. <laughs> it completely draws your attention to and becomes creepier and creepier. Right. No, and that's why it's called the uncanny like, valley, right. because it's like the closer you get to almost looking lifelike, the creepier it gets. And the more your brain becomes fixated on, on that exact like something's thing. not right. Something's not right. Something like right. that's what your brain does. Right. Right. Like if I just watch, you know, like we talked about how, um, you know, Canadian and British Australian and uh, comedic male actors can do drag and you're not really aware of it because that's not the joke, but with, right. with it's male, uh, you know, um, American community actors like they make that the focal points you you're not really aware of any other part of the joke like that's that's the same it's like the same thing right if you just would accept it like yeah I'm not a teenager but I'm just gonna play it naturally and not try to fucking hide it you you would kind of stop thinking about it after a while and just go okay suspension of disbelief uh you know they're not really teenagers but I'm watching a teenage musical you know high school whatever okay movie you know you just you, you take it in but they spent so much time trying to make you not think about it that it's all you can fucking think about and i've got some some quotes here that somebody took the time to collect from uh, like actual film reviews of this movie and i just i i only am sort of fascinated by this because i saw this trailer in the theater and i just kind of looked around like is everyone else seeing what i'm seeing because (laughs) this is fucking crazy so reading these reviews, it turns out like, no, we all saw the same thing. And I, I always like it when as divided as we are as a country, we can all sometimes just stop and look at something and go, that shit is fucked up. Right. <laughs> so it's this nice is from, right. I'm just going to read a few of these here. <clears throat> Stuart Heritage from The Guardian. Watch the trailer alone and you could be forgiven for thinking that it's a film about a dangerous pervert with a pathological <laughs> desire to pose as a child or a grown man hired by the government to infiltrate a school and uh, tacitly teach the students about the lingering specter of death. Because <laughs> in the story, a guy dies and it's sad. So it's like a they just they just it's, you know, it's like well, also apparently porn. he like he's like a horrible person like it's it's a horrible message the movie sends something i read something in one of the reviews about how basically he like gaslights everyone into thinking he was best friends with this kid who committed suicide but he didn't know him and then they imply that he's like on the spectrum and that's why he did it's a really fucked up like not not good message like move like everything about this is just like dark-sided and really fucking right so it's not even just the stories mining a tragedy it's the character in the story is right tragedy for attention yeah so there are loads of children and then a disastrously disastrously de-aged adult hoofing around (laughs) in the center of them looking like somebody has tried to draw a human face on a thumb (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so you got another one from The Guardian from uh, Andrea Horton. The Guardian writes, First, the decision to have Ben Platt reprise his Tony-winning performances have enhanced in the film. The only original cast member to do so. Uh, it seems relevant to mention that Platt's father is a producer on the film. Oh, and as, Platt, as Platt has repeatedly said earlier this year in defense of the casting, were I not to do the movie, it probably wouldn't have gotten made. Like that, that's okay, Ben. <laughs> right? A, A, no, but that's <laughs> fine. You, we're, we're cool, bro. Nobody needs to see this movie. Second of all, that's total bullshit. Like any, 
you know, young actor totally could have stepped into that role. Like it's it's preposterous. Well, it, yeah. it makes me wonder, like when your daddy's the producer and it wouldn't have gotten made otherwise. Like who is pushing to get it made? You demanding your father produce it, or your father producer demanding that you star in it so he can right. get his fucking name out there? Right. Like which who who is the- <laughs> get a big fat check out of it? Right. Right. Um. So she uh uh. uh <laughs> Adrian, I don't know if that's uh, male or female, but the team behind Dear Vanson put platinum prosthetics and opaque pasty makeup along with a curly mop of hair that stands the actor firmly in the uncanny valley. Uh, but the attempt to make Platt seem younger somehow renders him both older and inhuman. <laughs> An act of near sabotage so distracting it basically renders the movie unrecoverable. They just get worse from here, folks. So Christy uh, Puchko from IGN News. Um, I guess that's kind of redundant, IGN. And at the end, and that is already news. So, uh, In the film version of Dear Evan Hansen, Ben Platt's face is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine reading that review. You're deleting the movie. Your face is the problem, buddy. <laughs> I almost feel bad for this guy if he wasn't yeah, bringing all this upon oh. himself. Because this, bru- this is fucking brutal. It'd be like, hilarious if he committed getting... suicide for real because of the reviews of this movie. And then like somebody made a fucking musical about the life of Ben Platt. <laughs> Oh my god! And then that oh, got god. fucking panned also because they <laughs> cast the wrong fucking guy for that shit. Uh, they, just, they just got Fred Armiston to play Ben Platt in a movie about his fucking failed movie. Steve Buscemi <laughs> playing twenty-eight-year-old Ben Platt playing sixteen-year-old oh Evan Hansen. It just—it'd be like the like the <laughs> the play about Thor in Thor Ragnarok, you know? <laughs> right, right. No. All right, so. so she can it continues here um from his first close-up he is undeniably one of a full-grown man who has been comically miscast as a sheepish teen boy no slouched shoulders or downcast eyes can hide that platt performs youth earnestly but unconvincingly like i don't know how that can be both but she's i guess trying not to be a total jerk to him right try to give him some like yeah like <laughs> you tried but you got a d plus right This is a huge problem because without the constant reminder that Evan is young and thereby deeply naive, the character comes off as heinously selfish. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the problem with not having a 16 year old play that role. You could almost get away with that shitty story if it's like a a like basically a child who doesn't know any better when it's a 28 year old man. It he looks right. like a sociopath, which he, well, you know, yeah. Imagine if you, you know, if you had the movie um, Moonlight, and you had you know the, the the older actor playing the 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 teenage version. Oh God! At the same, and he just like walks into the school and smashes a fucking chair over the kid's head. Right. In the hospital, you'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck right. was that? But but because they actually cast like a teenager who was smaller than the guy, the bully. When he hits him with the chair, you're like, fuck yeah. Right. Because <laughs> you're like, all right, that's, you know. So, uh, again, casting is everything. So, uh, so David Crow from Den of Geek writes, to be sure, there is some definite Steve Buscemi with a skateboard energy to the way Platt hunches his shoulders and quivers his lip, attempting to mimic high school awkwardness and appearing just awkward. However, <laughs> you don't need to be uh, John Travolta or Olivia Newton-John to lull an audience into a suspension of disbelief. No, the issue with Dear Evan Hansen is a tone deaf 
and wall-to-wall cringe of a plot that somehow got a pass on the stage. That insistence in grounding this is a visual verisimilitude wherein the clear intent is that this will be seen as an important movie, the kind that wins awards, poorly serves the film's lead performance, with Platt at times looking like a sweatier version of Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused, <laughs> the old guy cruising for high school girls. But it also exposes the saccharine limitations of the narrative. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, another one here, real quick. Nate Jones from The Vulture. Since the film's trailer debut last spring, much has been made of the fact that star Ben Platt, the only cast member to prize his role from the stage, where Evan Hansen debuted to great acclaim in 2016, now appears slightly too old to convincingly play a high school senior. This is like saying that the cats in Cats look slightly more humanoid than my sister's cat. It's true, <laughs> but it undersells the sense of physical revulsion just a tad. What's disturbing about Dear Evan Hansen is not that it's just... The 28-year-old Platt is unbelievable as someone 10 years younger. It's that all of the film's efforts to transform him into a plausible teenager have the reverse effect of making the character of Evan Hansen appear to be somewhere in his (laughs) (laughs) mid-40s. When he gets up on stage for the second act's big musical number, I wasn't sure if he was going to memorialize his dead classmate or speak on the importance of 401k matching. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's there's uh, one other good one here there's a few more i don't want to read all these because we should probably okay. move on but uh there's one more i was looking for i'm scanning 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 well and when, while you're looking for that i just want to point out too that you know i just googled because I, I was thinking about like the idea of you know adapting broadway musicals to film and imdb has a link uh, a ranking of like the best um musical adaptations based on like the imdb rating uh, and just to read through some of these and see if you notice a pattern uh the music man 1962 fiddler on the roof 1971 oliver 1968 my fair lady 1964 on the town 1949 now number six chicago 2002 is the only outlier but the king and i 56 sound of music 65 Guys and Dolls, 55. All these movies were made at a time like where the acting on screen was also way too fucking big and stagey. This shit just doesn't work anymore. Movies that get made, it's just too... The the quote I was looking for was one that kind of like basically says, you'd have to be somebody who, you know, like the, the only kind of people who could watch this are people that have a very easy suspension of disbelief. Right. And basically this was like knocking the idea of Broadway in the first place like right. that the, the concepts that go into making something like hamilton which is essentially just a, a form of of you know a new form of blackface with yeah. you know an attempt to erase slavery altogether from being talked about is just it's not something that normal people can connect to like there's something not right in their heads like they're the people that talk about their friends that you've never met with only their first name as a reference, you know, like there's just, it's, it's, you know, aside from La La Land, uh, which technically did win an Oscar, even though it was taken away moments later because of a flub. <laughs> right. Well, what um, other Oscars though? I mean, it, it almost won best picture, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, if that, you know, and, I, and I'm sure that they tried to, I'm sure somebody has tried to, if not is still trying to make an actual Broadway musical, based on the movie La La Land, because, you know, somebody's going to do that. Easy to adapt. Sure, sure. But 
you know, again, it's it's like it's just it's such a dated medium. Like, what the what the fuck is Steven Spielberg remaking West Side Story for? Like, why did that need to happen? I, I don't know who asked for that. I really don't. But yeah, it, it's did, just did he you know have a moment with one of his grandkids and be like, hey, l- let's watch this movie that I remember from when I was growing up. Wouldn't you love to see that remade? In in for today, wouldn't wouldn't you love to see me make that? And they were like, sure, whatever. He's like, my children asked for it. My grandkids. That's the last thing I can give them. Like, that's just like somehow he reverse engineered it in his brain that people wanted to see this for some reason. The only yeah, and and, and you know the only movie 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 musicals. I'll get it out. Uh, that really work are movies that are about musicians and that are not from broadway plays so you think of la la land uh you know i mentioned the other last week uh uh walking uh i said walk the walking hard uh walk the line <laughs> the two um, week story that i mixed up <laughs> with the actual walk both the very line. good for a different reason but no no walk the line uh even a movie like the star, star is born the bradley cooper's directorial debut they're movies about musicians that have musical performances in them because they're actually happening diegetically within the movie they're not like they don't stop you know suddenly and just you know whatever and, and you know la land's a, a slight exception although most of a lot of those performances are from musicians within the story of the movie but i i think that's really the difference between that and you know to the point where it becomes you know, a movie like fucking Mamma Mia or, you know, one of those types of movies where you just have totally are taken out of it at every, you know, step because people just break out into song suddenly in the middle right. of conversation. Well, I hate musicals in general, but I remember weird, well, when you know? I first watched La La Land for the first time, I've watched it like maybe four times because um, those fucking songs are catchy as fuck. And I remember watching the, the opening number, the opening scene. Right. And I'm like five minutes into it and I'm like, there hasn't been a cut yet. This is all one long singular right, one, tracking one shot. Tracking shot. And, and you know, to, it's one thing when you're doing choreo- choreography on a stage. And it's another thing when you're doing it in 3d where the camera's moving inside of all the dance numbers, you know, and I'm sure there might've been like a couple digital edits in there, but I couldn't notice them. I couldn't, I couldn't see any. I'm like, Holy shit. This is, this is really fucking good. Right. <laughs> and the fact that they're on top of cars on top of a freeway overpass, in the fucking hot ass sun in LA, and I'm just like, how did they, how did they fucking do this? It, it, it had how, to have been like they... a situation where they found an un, un, like a unopened part of the uh, the highway where they just fucking closed it down. Eh, it was probably all on a stage, and it was all CGI. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but maybe. still, it's if if the fucking magic of Hollywood can can, can pull that off in any way, where I can be actually impressed, knowing all the right. things that I know about how they do it, that's saying something. But yeah, and, and but I think that also has to do with the fact that Damien Chazelle is a, a fucking phenomenal director. The guy who directed that, uh, he's not. I don't know if he has a musical background or not, but he also directed Whiplash, which is an incredible fucking movie. I mean, what maybe I've the heard best, good things that I haven't seen that. Yeah, what's his face? Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, J.K. Simmons. One of the best J.K. Simmons performances you will ever see is just this psychotic uh, band leader or. Uh, I don't know if he's like a teacher or basically, but like he's just, you know, the conductor and he's just a fucking tyrant and he's trying to like get uh, Miles Teller who wants to be like part of his like, you know, elite fucking like uh, music, like crew of musicians to like 
be this incredible drummer but he's like a psycho he like throws chairs around he screams like it, it's really fucking good oh have you ever met a theater director in real life right he, he just very much oh like 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 embodies directors that. are fucking psychopaths um and and i don't know like if like legally you could get away with the kind of shit that i like when i was in when i was in high school i wasn't really in the theater company but i right. did uh, a lot of the house and publicity design and artwork like i would i would draw like the poster and the t-shirt designs for the school to, uh, oh, you know, nice. I, I know you did that That's cool. oh yeah 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 and but like i i would come up with exactly to design the director you know the, the guy who's the theater director also taught theater in the school and mm-hmm. had taken the school and like won the state theater competition like 20 years out of 30 so he was pretty good but he i would like show him the design he asked for and he'd be like change that I'm like <laughs> okay all right so i go i and change that bring it back the next day he's like change it back I'm like, okay, bring it back. Change these, this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh god, this is like he is the stereotype, right? So a month <laughs> later, really I'm like still that. making revisions that are completely like no one's gonna fucking notice, right? It's just he's a psychopath, right? <laughs> and every year, every because they would do like three performances a year: fall, winter, spring, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would get to see him pull the same shtick every year, where he would like. You know, like the the week before opening night, he would threaten to shut it down. Like he just he would just like walk off the stage and like threaten to to kick everyone out of the show, <laughs> you know. And then like people, all the actors would you know these teenage kids they'd start crying because it's drama right. and they're fucking. And he would just at the last second be like, okay. I think we can come together and finally make the, and like, it was just so fucking predictable. <laughs> <laughs> Literally what you see from every theater director and every movie yeah. and TV show, right? Yeah. Cause it works. Cause it fucking right. works. This is how you manipulate people into trying just a little bit harder. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, just that whole world of, of, you know, how directors operate, I think is, is sort of fascinating. And, and sometimes they get in trouble for being, you know, too harsh right and you know but then you see the result and you're like there's some some actors are just like yeah he's a fucking lunatic but like i i totally want to fucking work with him can't argue with the results right and even people who aren't really good actors like i think they got a taste of that or like they at least understand that and they kind of want to get in that room and get in that world but like there's they just have these little things about them that prevent them from being honest right and and they're too much of a product to really make art Right. And and have that really be a, a, a clever process. And and one of those people <laughs> had an interview in I don't know, it was Vanity Fair, GQ, Variety, whatever GQ. the fuck. GQ, yeah. Yeah. Uh William Smith. <laughs> Big Willie. Uh, had a very revealing interview. Um, and not really revealing in that we didn't know what a fucking kind of a piece of shit he is, right? Because like you kind of pity him. You read these things and you're just like do you even know yourself? Do you even know anything about yourself? He's just been rich anybody? for too fucking long. He's, he's just, just not, yeah. he's not a real person anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just, yeah. But yeah, re- read some of these quotes. Cause there's a reason Will Smith is every white guy's <laughs> favorite black guy. And I think this yeah. will be a good yeah. summation as to why. Um, so Will Smith has a new film coming out or a new project. We don't even know. Like you never know if it's a movie or a TV show or like a mini series or just like, I think it's an it, Apple it's, TV, it's a, right? It's a, yeah. It's project. Yeah, so this is this is a great way for actors to get out there and do something they wouldn't have done otherwise because some don't want to do a single film about a 
idea or project. They don't want to do a whole fucking show. They can just do like a miniseries, six, seven episodes, hop off, whatever. So Will Smith has never done anything about slavery because he feels that, uh, you know, like he wants to celebrate uh, what he calls black excellence, um, which just kind of means just like black capitalism when you kind of dive into what he really means. But Right, so his, he's starring his, his version of it. Yeah, yeah, he's starring in something called Emancipation, a new slavery drama, <laughs> Emancipation, and he says Emancipation has what Django Unchained lacked, because oh. if you know, um, Quentin Tarantino originally wanted Will Smith to play Django. Yeah, he wanted to revive his Unchained. fucking career because he knew he was a good actor. Because <laughs> that's his, his career. That's that's Quentin's thing is reviving fucking C list actors' careers. Um, and so so he. <laughs> In this article that just came out, Will Smith says that he uh, turned down Django because it lacked love over vengeance. Um. Love <laughs> over vengeance. So apparently, Will Smith has not seen that film, but you know the, the entire driving crux of that movie is that well, he's trying to rescue still, his wife. Or his, you he, know. he he says that he wanted to lean more on their their you know romance rather than the violence, but. Somebody went back and looked up what Will Smith said back in 2013 about why he turned down Django. And at the time, Will Smith said he turned down Django because he didn't get to kill the bad guy. Because you remember in the movie, it's not it's not uh, Jamie Foxx that kills Leo DiCaprio. Right. And he he so he kept trying to get Quentin to change that. And Quentin refused. And he just he said, well, I'm not going to be in the movie then. Because he's one of these guys, you know, like The Rock or, uh, you know, to an extent. Um, well, Vin uh, Diesel, too. Like, they, they, yeah, have to, they have to be the guy that wins every fight, which is just like, right. why? If, you, if you're if you invincible, Literally. how am I invested in this if I know that you're going to win every time? You know, like, where, where's real, your vulnerability? Real, Just real quick aside before we continue, that there, there was a huge contractual negotiation in, uh, I think it was Fast Five, whatever the first movie The Rock was in with the fight between the rock and Vin Diesel, where they're literally like smashing through walls, like superheroes to the point where they eventually had to settle on, well, it'll be a draw. Neither one can win. Cause neither one would lose to the other one on screen. These, these grown fucking men. That's one know, thing. Are, if you just wrote that in the story, because you wanted them both to kind of be on par. But sure. The fact but that like, there was a contractual negotiation right. over it. It is fucking pathological. Incredible little bitches, right? But yes, continue with the with the Will Smith Quentin. So, so Will Smith says that he, you know, back in 2013, said that he didn't take the movie because he didn't get to kill a bad guy, which is just like talk, talk about insecurity. But that that sounds a little bit different than love over vengeance. That sounds right. like you just you wanted to be the most vengeful possible, and because you didn't ki- get to kill the main bad guy. Because it wasn't as simplistic as you wanted it to be. It was actually a, right. a, a, so a nuanced dis- fucking story. You know, and, yeah. and so, okay, so so what? Maybe it was both. Maybe he's just telling a different right, whatever, story. Right. Whatever. Who cares? What I do care about is the rest of the things he says in this article that are deplorable. So he went on to, well, Will Smith here. I'm just going to read from it a little bit. Will Smith um, spoke on calls to defund the police. He said, this is a pitfall area. Um published in the article Monday, he said, quote, I would love if we would just say defund the bad police. Like, fuck off. Does he know how police funding works? Because it's not, you don't, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, let's see if we can pass a bill that officially defunds the bad police. Let's see if we can get. Yeah, yeah, it's and, you know, we don't even need to go into it, but we've gotten into it uh, before is why there is no such thing as a good cop when the system uh, protects and, you know, uh, shields cops that 
right. do the shit that they do. It's just well, not. It's, it's, it's like, has Will Smith ever watched The Wire? Probably not. Because <laughs> <No, that's, laughs> like, I don't even know if David Simon's watched The Wire. Because if, no, if David I, Simon I, ever actually watched The Wire, the, he the probably. The Twitter version of David Simon has never watched The Wire. No. Yeah, because if you recall, when the 2014 Baltimore uprising happened, David Simon was very, very concerned that people would burn down the CVS pharmacy. (laughs) Like, dude, you wrote wrote the whole fucking, you wrote like. (laughs) Just, and you know, just to get another quick aside, but it it is amazing how that people can make this just tremendous, really well thought out, well understood art like David Simon or even like a Michael Moore, like his documentaries, and then just say the dumbest yeah. shit imaginable. John Cusack made a film called War Inc. Right. Which and was then great. hops on Twitter to basically defend imperialism. Right. It, it's just you, when you're working on a project, I think it's easier to to be tunnel vision. And I think when you're surrounded by idiots and listening to other rich people around you say things, it kind of I almost in, think it's the know? opposite where you're working on a project, your mind's open and you're thinking. Maybe, and then when yeah. you get on Twitter is when the tunnel vision happens Maybe, and you're reacting right. to just like one specific thing a person said. Oh, it's Putin. It's fucking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's, that's why I don't like put out a blanket tweet out of context that is clearly referencing like a very specific thing because people will misread it because they'll be like, what the fuck is he even talking about? Like right. it, that's, that's what quote tweeting is for. So people know exactly, Oh, they're, re- they're referring to this thing. Right. So that makes sense. So he continued here. Will Smith Smith said he wants black Americans to quote, change our marketing for the new position we're in. <sighs> Don't piss in- off the whites too much. <laughs> yeah. 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 Instead of calling it critical race theory, for example, let's call it truth theory. He said that. He said that. Oh, oh no, the right wing will love it if you call it truth theory when you teach them that the, that white imperialists are racist yeah. like that. They'll like, totally they'll, that'll nobody be fine. even that'll be fine for nobody them. except for like a couple of academics back in the seventies who coined the term even used that term. No, we're not. You, no one saying defund the police is like let's teach critical race theory in schools. Let's teach like like nobody's. There's no movement behind that. It's just like that's a, a, a term the right picked up on. And is frothing at the mouth over. That's not even a thing that we're fucking saying. Right. There's not a caravan at the moment. So that's just, you know, the new, the new buzzword to make the right. So he continues here. And this is just, oh God, the pendulum is swinging in our direction beautifully. And there's a certain humility that will most capitalize on the moment for the future of black Americans without discounting the difficulty and the pain and the emotion just that last bit was just like how rich do you have to be right will smith rich apparently 500 million dollars or however much money he has just i gotta i gotta read the first part again the pendulum is swinging in our direction beautifully (laughs) i I would love i would love some examples by the way of that but um his his limo hasn't driven through skid row in a while i'm guessing (laughs) right right yeah i mean this is just the typical rich you know black guy making it okay for white guy like he's just you know repeating white talking points about oh and better and in that interview he also says well you know black lives matter it was such a simplistic slogan and it worked perfectly like that's what we need for defund the police um i don't know if he remembers that black lives matter like liberals lost their fucking mind over black lives matter hillary clinton was like having black lives matter uh activists like yanked out of her her rallies and her fucking you know five hundred thousand dollar plate fundraiser dinners you know by their hair for for daring to ask her to support the movement so this idea that 
like Black Lives Matter is a great example of how defund the police could actually win because Black Lives Matter was thought of as an extremist group, as an extremist slogan at the time by liberals. And this is like not ancient history. It's like five years ago. And now it's just widely accepted. And the NFL is putting it on the back of their helmets right before they do their big fucking imperialism jerk off national anthem ceremony oh, yeah. flyover, did you, you know? see that photo that somebody circulated of like those you know in this house we believe that blah 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 and i just like lists all the slogans right and right. somebody hit it was like black lives matter <laughs> you know gay marriages you know it's like all that but they crossed out no human is illegal right <laughs> right I, I saw that yeah. i was like oh so this i, I just imagined this like liberals just watching joe biden's next stay the union speech and run it furiously running outside with a black sharpie to cross off all right. the little policy planks that he poo poos well, in his I, speech i retweeted that and i was like meanwhile at the kamala harris household <laughs> right <laughs> um so oh. you know and also a few years ago about five years ago five maybe six um what 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 year did a hateful eight come out quentin tarantino's uh, film? i'll look it up real quick i i, I want to say it's longer than that but maybe not so he got um the, the oh, 2015 okay yeah yeah that long ago. so six uh fraternal order of police if you recall was calling to boycott the hateful eight which was his movie out at the time because Why? quentin came to a black lives matter rally and spoke at the oh, rally wow i didn't know that that's awesome quentin tarantino did yeah and he's he, he called cops murderers he's like i'm when i see a murderer, I'm going to call out the murderer and the murderer are these cops. Right. And Quentin said that and FOP wanted to boycott him. And Jamie Foxx, who had uh, just prior to that starred in Django Unchained, the movie that Will Smith was uh, too high and mighty to, uh, to want to star in. Great career um, decision, by the way, to, to yeah. not do that. And also to not do uh, the matrix in lieu of making wild, wild west, just great, <laughs> great fucking career decisions. Great for Will Smith. <laughs> Oh man! If you've never heard the Kevin Smith story about Wild Wild West, go oh, so go watch that funniest fucking thing. I can't even like begin to retell it because it's so expansive and hard. right, right. Talk about long, long form storytelling. You'll have to um, you'll have to watch his Superman Live story because it's it's related to that. That's that's why the Wild Wild West came up. Uh, but yeah, so um, Fox was uh, Jamie Fox was accepting an award or presenting an award. I'm not sure which, um, but he referenced Quentin Tarantino being harassed by the cops and being told you know you know we shouldn't go see this movie um keep telling the truth keep speaking the truth and don't worry about none of the haters uh and, and jamie fox i would argue is a phenomenally more gifted actor than will smith uh oh, yeah. on a number of levels so just just imagine being a cop and watching all of quentin tarantino's films and not realizing that quentin tarantino hates cops like imagine watching reservoir dogs right you know the scene where they literally like kidnap and torture a cop <laughs> you know and, and you know when when harvey Keitel and and c buscemi are like did anyone get hurt uh you know a couple cops he's like yeah but no real people yeah no real people <laughs> right <laughs> like Which is, all of his movies like he's he's clearly he clearly has like left his beliefs like and you know especially on issues of race and issues like it's just not yeah I, I, it, you know again this is like when cops get mad at bruce springsteen for doing a song about uh, uh, uh fucking amadou diallo's murder when the cops shot him 41 right. times like they're like oh well that's the you know and and they're but they're still like because they still understand that at least his earlier stuff before he became a rich out of touch asshole, you know, really understood the fundamental nature of working people. They still love him. Like Chris Christie still 
loves Bruce Springsteen and is very upset that he won't like hang out with him. <laughs> right. But like they, but they just can't get it through their heads that it's like the no, vibe. It's right, they want to the pretend there's they like the, the, the working or... class, you know, white guy, you know, came from a background, you know, it's it's like you know, and they and they fucking sit around in their break room saying racist shit all day, and they're like, "What do you mean I'm racist? I'm a fucking ra-. like yes, <laughs> right? You, you you want so badly to be open about it, just be open about it." Don't pretend right. you're not. So, I really think they don't think they are, though. There are a lot of them who really genuinely think like, oh, well, no. Uh, I'm just, I know. I know. But it's 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 just, it's it's wild. It's a wild like like brain trick that you have to. It's, it's Italian American discrimination. <laughs> uh, uh, right. um, so, speaking of before I get out of this one. Um, yeah. Speaking of Jamie Foxx and, and just like looking up the things that he said or defended Quentin for. Uh, staying up for black lives and, and, you know, making stories about, um, you know, vengeance rather than love. Uh, I ran across a short little clip here of Jamie Foxx um, back when Django came out on Howard Stern talking about what it's like to work with Quentin Tarantino. Right. And I, I love this clip for several reasons. But um, if you have that queued up, we should just roll. Yeah. Down. Yeah. I'll play this. I was just getting to learn Quentin Tarantino. So he was, again, a tyrant. You know, he was, he was, I, this, do not fuck my film up. Tyrant in the sense that does he insist on every word oh, being yeah. just the way he wrote it? But that's what you want. You, do you? You want, you, want a, you want a director who, even if you're going off the cliff, you know that you're going off the fucking cliff. But don't you want the freedom to also kind of add nah, your twist? not no? with him. No. The first day of rehearsal, I'm reading my lines like, yeah. And he said, cut. Can I talk to you for a second? Close the door. Uh-oh. Uh, what the fuck is that? I said, what do you mean? I, I knew I was going to have this problem. Uh, listen, all of this shit, you have to be a fucking slave, okay? He's a slave. He's not cool. He's a fucking slave. Right. He doesn't know how to read. You come in with your fucking Louis bag and your fucking Range Rover. And you're fucking Jess. I'm so fucking. You're not Jim Brown. <laughs> He's a fucking slave. And then, and then he becomes the hero. But lose that shit. Door swings open. He walks out. Wow. Would you work with Quentin Tar- Tarantino again, or is it just too goddamn? Thousand times. Oh, you would. <laughs> That's a great I, Quentin impersonation. I, I love Jamie Foxx's Quentin Tarantino impersonation. <laughs> Because he gets his, he gets like his his cadence, his cadence exactly perfectly right, right. <laughs> and then you think like oh Jamie Fox is a fucking you know amazing accomplished actor singer comedic performer right you know bit of a prima donna himself he's not going to put up with the shit Howard Stern's would you work with him again a thousand times again yes <laughs> right because he sees the fucking amazing movie that came of it but like right right because who in the right mind would not want the fucking lead in Django Unchained. Like, you... Only only someone like Will Smith would look at that and be like, nah, it's... it's yeah, man. Fundamentally not understand, like, the sto- how the story would be told. So, yeah, and, and that's just, you know... Uh, and, and, and you know what's funny about that is if that story had gotten out before the movie had come out and bef- without maybe Jamie Foxx telling it, like, if that was just written in print, like, oh... You know, Quentin Tarantino scolded Jamie Foxx and told him he was being too cool and he needs to speak like a slave who can't read. That would be like front page, like, oh, my God, Quentin Tarantino. Like, you can't believe it. But like when you see it in that context and then you see it, it's like, no, he's just a crazy person who loves uh, 
to make movies and he wants his, his character to be played a very specific way. And because he has no social skills, this is the way he would express it to an actor. But look at the result of it. I mean, like, it's just, you know. Well, I mean, he's talking about a story about, you know, once they're on set and they're already filming and he's it, this isn't like pre planning anything and you're right. you know, hashing out and being polite. This is like time is money. Right. You, you got to be. I have to pull you aside right. and say that the way you're doing it is wrong. Knock it the fuck off. And here, he, here's why. And he's right. totally right. And this is something I learned, like in the few things that I've directed is that and, and I didn't do this. And I know if I ever do something again to not like fiddle fuck around when it comes to these things, if you want something out of an actor and you're not getting it, it serves nobody to just be like, yeah, all right, that was good. Why don't we try it like one more time, you know, a little bit different, but not explain to them exactly what you're looking for, because you'll just spend hours fucking, you know, wasting everybody's right. time circle well, jerking, like and, not and, getting what you're looking for. And it's, it's one thing because Howard Stern's trying to kind of say like, well, wouldn't you like the freedom to kind of play around with it? And and certain directors, that's exactly what they want. They want their actors to improvise. Quentin's not one of those. Right. Right. So that was a moment where he was being very clear about what he expected from his actor, which is totally fine. And there's there's times, that, you know, I, I had this experience where I was directing something and uh, this, this project and I knew how I wanted the line read, but I was afraid to push the actor hard enough and the actor was right. getting frustrated um and, and she said to me just tell me how you want the line read and she was she was the one who was irritated and frustrated well, well that's that's the problem <laughs> and i was like okay like, here here's how i want the line read exactly here's how i want you to say it so. it's it's a big faux pas in, in in directing to give line there's a difference between being direct and giving a line read Be, giving a line read by some actors especially more established actors is seen as like disrespectful Right. But 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 like you said, like you you have to just give them everything you can without exactly being like, I want you to read it this way. I want you to use sure. this. But, and, and certain but lines matter more just than like, others. Fuck it. Right. Exactly. Right. So sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's like the the exact inflection does everything in the moment that you want it to, or or right. you you hope it resonates that way. Right. Well, but, well, you know, we, we should get into politics because we are an hour in. Um, and <laughs> speaking speaking of bad actresses, real quick, we should just just mention uh, briefly the AOC uh, situation that that went down oh, over, the, over the last week or so, <laughs> um, because you know we we talked about I, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago the whole the whole tax the rich dress fiasco scandal. Oh yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, that was a couple and weeks ago. Was, so. I gave her the benefit of the doubt on a lot of that. And I think just to follow up, like, you know, um, seeing a bit more of the footage and, you know, just kind of more of her her excuses for things right. after the fact. In fact, uh, you spent the whole we week and a half on Instagram, like defending it, like out of the like just constantly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was I mean, I, like if it was just the dress at the Met, I was I, that was all I was really commenting on. Right. We talked about it, but like seeing more of like her her stance on some of the stuff after the fact, I was just kind of like, oh, God, she's just, just I was trying to help you. Right. Alexandria, um, what are you doing? Right. Then the fact that it came out after that, that the, her designer friend, you know, the immigrant of color who immigrated here from the, the far reaches of Canada. Oh, we, um, we said that at the time. I no, was like, no, I know. Toronto, Toronto isn't even Canada. Toronto is just like the. the well, no, it state. came out. It came out <laughs> after the fact that she uh, owes like one hundred thousand dollars in back taxes and didn't pay into her employees <laughs> unemployment. Like, she, you know, 
typical shit that Canadian that money or U.S. money. I don't, I don't know. It's more Canadian, um, right? Yeah. If, you, if you do the conversion, but no. So AOC. So this week, you know, and we actually talked about. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. Again, it all blurs. But the fact that they managed to strip the Iron Dome funding out of the 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 uh, reconciliation bill, and we we praised them at the time for saying strong about that. But what Pelosi turned around and did was force a uh, a separate vote on just the $1 billion extra in funding for the Iron Dome. This isn't even just purely the Iron Dome funding. This is another billion dollars in munitions for the Iron Dome. Because as you talked about- tip. It's a tip. Right. It's, it's a nice little, you know, it's like when you, yeah. when you get Uber, like you get a little, you throw you, a little you, like 10 bucks on top. Like you fucking pick is. up your burrito and then they spin the little screen around and you get to pick 10, 15 or 20% <laughs> tip and you right. press which one. And they, it's just like, well, I don't like, you're judging me because you're standing here looking at me while I do it. And you're just like <laughs> that, that South, uh, I don't know if you've seen that uh, South Park episode, but like, it's so fucking true and funny. The, the episode where, where. Randy keeps going into Whole Foods and they keep asking him to donate like a dollar to, to starving children and like and he won't do it or like and, and they're like, all right, just just just, you know, pat the little icon on the uh, starving child's face that says, no, I don't want to donate a dollar. Like it, it, it's 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 very that's yeah, very much that. Well, but, um, you know, they, they do that at fucking CVS now. You go into CVS and it's like before you even stick your fucking card in the card reader, it's like right, it asks you a dollar to blah, blah, blah. Which I, I never I don't trust any of those companies to fucking give well, that yeah, money to those but but I never feel judged by the per, you know, by the, the black or Latino person working behind the counter when I hit right. no, because I know that they're making fucking you know dirt money, and right. like they know that like I don't have any fucking extra money to donate. Like right. so, but it's when you go into like a like a nice boutique fucking artisanal restaurant type thing where like the right. lights are hanging from the ceiling or whatever, and it's just it's like they spin the little screen around. You got to press the button for the tip and you're like, God, I got to fucking, you're probably making double what someone at CVS does. And I feel more inclined to tip you guys more than to donate to the fucking, <laughs> right. Ugh. Anyway. Right. So, so yeah, AOC. Um, AOC. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, but so what, so Pelosi did is, is, is basically force a vote, uh, on, on, you know, a standalone vote on the 1 billion for the iron dome funding. And, um, so you know and of course it, it it passed overwhelmingly like 400 to to 10 or something absurd like that but you know aoc was initially a no vote or she had expressed the fact that she would be a no vote um and for whatever reason you know there's video of i'm sure people have seen c-span video before where it's basically just a static camera like looking down upon the house floor and you can't really make out much you just see like people moving around and you know, it, you, you couldn't actually tell like what people were saying or like what is going on, but you can make out like who people are. And it's very, you can very clearly see in, in this video that uh, AOC and Nancy Pelosi are talking and there's a couple of like Pramila Jayapal's next to her AOC and there's a couple of people, but Nancy Pelosi is very animated and waving her arms around in the, you know, drunken way that she does. Um, and AOC then immediately after quickly like signals like, with her finger in the air to the um the the uh the person that records the votes to change uh that she wants to change her vote um and she switches her vote to present so she doesn't vote no on the one billion dollars so she changed it from what yes or no from no from no from no she changed it from no i I believe they don't so they don't they don't record the final i don't think i think they only record the final votes i'm not sure if they if we had 
I, I, either she changed it from no or she last minute put her vote in as present um it, it's unclear but basically she yeah but she had ver- verbally expressed her her intent to vote no uh and then she changed it to present um so she and you can change your vote up until they call like the last you know call well, or whatever for voting you know, she she didn't learn that from bernie bernie's been doing that for years whenever there's some bullshit resolution to you know stay with israel that doesn't actually pass any policy it's just a you know statement of support of israel bernie right. does that too he just votes present not right. yes or no and then he doesn't have to fucking deal with any criticism for it and on and on the genocide rolls right completely abated by by everyone in congress so again you know she knew it was going to pass regardless it had like 400 yes votes um there's no reason to vote present or to not vote no if you don't support it other than the fact that you're cowardly and you're afraid of the consequences and whatever nancy pelosi said to her uh apparently scared her enough to 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 record this cowardly vote and you know people rightfully were like what the fuck because even you know, some of the shittier members of the squad, like uh, what's her face, Ayanna Presley, voted no. Um, really, uh, really, wow. right, it, right, surprising, right? How many, um, how many um, no votes were there? Do you have that in front of you? It was like nine. It was, it was like eight Democrats yeah. and and one kind of. What like about liber- uh, Ilhan? Liber- she, she, had been no she voted no. Uh, Rashida yeah. voted no. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people uh, voted no. Rahul Grahava, I think. Um, and then this guy, Thomas Massey, is a Republican, but I think he's like a libertarian, like doesn't want to out of principle. Either that or he's like an actual Nazi. I'm not sure, but you can never tell with the Republicans. Got some but. Ron Paul type in there kind of. Right. Um, people. But and, you know, and that and that is a courageous vote because, you know, you are going to get shit about that from the Israel lobby. Um, and, you know, it wasn't going to fail anyway, but you do the right thing because that is in theory is why you're in Congress to vote the way that you intend and that you believe so you know she believed that they shouldn't get another billion dollars for iron dome funding in the middle of a pandemic when yeah. we haven't had a fucking you know second stimulus from biden and people are being evicted by the millions and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, and being kicked off of unemployment um but she just voted present because she didn't want to deal with the consequences yeah. and of course she dealt with the consequences anyway because people you know rightfully unleashed on her for her cowardly vote so she uh tried to explain away her vote with uh a oh, very God. <laughs> very long and very wordy which i will not read because it's very fucking long and i'll we'll be here for another hour and a half if i read it um but uh it's, you, it's yeah it's like no one will by the time you finish reading it you'll have fallen asleep and forgotten what it was even about right so uh you know it's it's three ldr right it's the point of this thing (laughs) it's three plus pages long and you know this note would be great if she was explaining why she voted no but she basically explained in this note you know why she voted she 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 went through a bunch of reasons why she wasn't um in why this was a bad uh, process and blah 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 but she doesn't even explain why she voted present she doesn't even mention the fact that she voted present in this in this note and so people and she like, doesn't the mention the fact doing? that iron dome is 95 percent ineffective that it fails right 95 percent of the time no mention of that which, right. which no, i spent no a good chunk of time talking about when we talked about iron dome no mention of that whatsoever and and it's just like and and you know uh, people have pointed this out and it's like this is how and i'm not saying she's not smart i'm not saying that but this is how people who are trying to sound smart without actually saying anything at all operate they they say a lot of words without actually getting to the fucking point 
And like, nobody is impressed by this. This is the shit that people do to try to sound like they're intellectual while skirting around ever actually taking a concrete stance or making uh, a salient point on an issue. She didn't fucking say anything in these three pages of, of, of yeah. nonsense. And this is how she always operates. She does this on Instagram when she goes and explains her actions, when she doesn't actually explain her actions. Like this could have been a, a, a half a paragraph. Yeah, I was going to vote no, but Nancy Pelosi threatened this, this, and this. So I decided to vote yes. I regret voting yet. Or, or I decided to vote present. I regret voting present because I don't support this fund. Like that's all you could have done if you were being honest and not just trying to further politically twist yourself into a pretzel to explain your shitty vote. Like that's that's really all this is, you know, on face value. I just hit at the episode of The Wire where they um, were Tommy Car City. I know it's Carcetti. But that doesn't roll off the tongue for some reason. Whenever I, I see his name, I think Carcetti, not Carcetti. Right. But his character is named Tommy Carcetti. Uh, the the where they have the the mayor debate, and he's like succinct and to the point, and says something, and finally, like you know, his poll numbers turn around. But he he basically like calls out the city mayor. Then the mayor tries to respond and like just does like, well, when I said like just like his <laughs> right. his, his affectation is just politics. so right you know so hammy and, and fucking just like a cliche that like they don't even stick with him very long because you only need to like hear like a few words of his his affectation to know that like it's gonna be bullshit and right. he's gonna lose the election <laughs> right but right. but i love the editing of it because it's it's like you know when you when you've already said what you need to say cut away right and she aoc with this fucking huge ass excuse just rambles on and on and on and on and on. Where she never on. actually gets to why she voted. The, the right. total, you know, just com- she's completely the the corrupt sitting mayor on the wire that's just like, you know, trying to get you to tune out on purpose and not realizing how much it's costing her. Right, right. And it's just, you know, which is the only thing she has left, which is her credibility, which is, you know, at this point, almost non-existent. Um. But I do find, and just as a funny side, I find it funny that they they got because I you know people who who've seen The Wire and and know who he is know that uh, Tommy Carcetti was based on Martin O'Malley, who we all remember from his hilariously failed uh, 2016 presidential run, <laughs> um, and and, he, and they perfectly nail that like he's able to mimic the folksy like I'm not a politician like these other guys type when it's very clear he's not, but like they I thought they did a really good job. Maybe even he does a better job on the show of doing it than the real Martin O'Malley did in real life. Um, but I but I do remember seeing the debates and oh, thinking that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Tommy Carcetti on on the wire is smart and well spoken, but naive in that he thinks he's going to change anything, and then eventually falls into the same traps. Right. Because you know, and and that's what the great thing about the show is is like there's all these complex, nuanced characters who. Like there's no good guys, there's no bad guys. Everybody has moments of good and bad, um, except for well, two of them. Um, but right. you know, you you know, you realize that there is no one evil person, well, except for two. Um, it's it's the system. It's the combination of all these people working in concert that makes this an unchangeable situation. Right. right. And I, I do I do love the remember back all the way back in 2015 when SNL, the cold open for SNL that season was fucking Larry David as Bernie Sanders. Right. At the debate. Right. And they had Martin O'Malley and the the 
closing line of the sketch was Martin O'Malley going, I'm Martin O'Malley. Goodbye forever, America. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, like, we've never thought great. about him ever again, nope. except in referencing The Wire. Right. But, Man. yeah. Good times. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, you know, again, that's, and I don't have much else to say on that, but I just thought we should mention it because that happened since the last week. And yeah. it's just another disappointment in the long line of, of recent disappointments from <clears> AOC. <throat> um, but, um, we should briefly also mention we wanted to touch on the um the the situation with uh well not situation but the revelation that the CIA was uh attempting uh or considered attempting to assassinate Julian Assange and that you know plans were mocked up for like how they would go about doing it um, oh, yeah. if if they decided yeah. to which is you know again for all the fucking rube liberals who constantly say oh well the cia sure in the 50s and 60s and 70s <laughs> and 80s and 90s did all these heinous things in latin america and in africa but they don't do that anymore yeah no they still they're, they're the same exact fucking people like it's the same people like they know oh, it's 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 comical and we just accept it where it's just like okay like in, in a normal <laughs> right. society the CIA plotting to kidnap and assassinate a, a journalist and whistleblower would be front page news round the clock. Right. But we don't live in that society. Um, so this was like, this was, this was what it seems like it was mostly Pompeo, you know, because Pompeo was, was secretary of state, but he came from the CIA and secretary right. of state and CIA are basically interchangeable at the top. Um, and so Pompeo, Consider this WikiLeaks Vault 7 leak to be like the, the largest leak in, in CIA history. And after that happened, Pompeo wanted Assange dead. Right. right. And at the time, Assange is still holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy, uh, the most heavily surveilled building in the world at the time. Um, so I, I read the article or most of the article. And I watched this interview on Democracy Now! with the guy who wrote it. It's actually not Yahoo News that broke this. Like Yahoo News, that normally just aggregates shit from Business Insider and New York Times and Washpo, has their own investigative journalism team. Like they're, they're they're like the default screen when you open up Internet Explorer. You know, it's just like a bunch of tabs of articles right. that you never read. It's like <laughs> for anyone that still uses Internet Explorer, which if you have a government job, that's the only browser you're allowed to use to this day. Oh, good lord! <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like they're determined to use the shittiest, most ancient form of well, technology. You it's, know? it's because it's the only web browser that you uh, has like no security features that you can use to protect yourself, right? From from the person who's surveilling you. Which the That's, government wants. That, to have. that must be like because I like and I and I've applied. I've tried you know recently and in the past to apply to like postal jobs and like state jobs and 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 their website. You really think you're in a time machine like in in like 2004. I, I really think that they choose deliberately the shittiest, most basic, primitive versions of all of those things so that they can put their own fucking you know security measures on it. But that there's no you know method of of you hacking it or fucking you know doing any kind of like you know yeah no and that's i mean the it guys the department of state that i work with like they they were like yeah that's the reason why because we can't use a browser that would allow you to do anything on it that we couldn't monitor like that's i mean that's that's for the security of the country (laughs) so (laughs) right um but it was estimated this was interesting that you know around the embassy Everyone living within a three-block radius of the London Embassy was ver- working for 
a various intelligence service, right? Because it wasn't just the U.S. you know, right, monitoring that building. UK, so despite Israel, that, Israel. despite it being like the most heavily guarded, heavily surveilled uh, embassy in the world, I would argue single most surveilled building anywhere in the world. The CIA was afraid that Russia was going to swoop in to rescue Assange and fly him out to Moscow. Right. So they were convinced they had to kidnap him and kill him first before Russia got to him. Which is which is right. hilarious that they're that which is out of touch just, with reality. I mean, so the CIA had a plan not only to uh, kidnap and assassinate Assad. Because keep in mind, this is this is before he was indicted for anything. Right. right. There was there was like a sealed thing, but it hadn't been released. Right. And so they were like, well, where do we take him? You know, like, what do we, you know, how are we going to rendition him? And Pompeo was pushing this thing and Trump's own lawyers were like, dude, you're crazy. You can't, we can't do that. Like, that's not, that's not a thing that we can do. And apparently never made it to Trump's desk him personally, but like people were trying to shield it from getting to Trump because they were afraid that Trump would okay it. <laughs> and they didn't want to have the blowback. Which, like, I don't know that he would because he wasn't like that's that's the you weird never thing know. Is, that's the thing is you like they right. didn't know what he would do. He was so unpredictable. But apparently, Jeff Sessions, uh, Trump's DOJ, was like, "No, this will fuck." We have a case we're working on. We're trying to prosecute. Semi voice of reason, that, right? Yeah, the semi voice of reason. Jeff fucking Sessions <laughs> uh, was like, "You're going to blow our fucking case." The same way that you guys blew our case against Daniel Ellsberg back in the in the 70s, which is exactly true because the CIA legally broke into his therapist's office and they used that as grounds that the he had been unjustly prosecuted. Right. Which and is that's why how, he's, that's how he's out now. Ellsberg walked. Yeah. But apparently they were they were like had a plan for like if the Russians actually got Assange out and, you know, shot their way through the CIA, you know, on the streets of London and, you know, car chase fucking uh you know, born identity style car chase, and they got to the runway and got in the plane. They had a plan. The CIA had a plan to shoot out the tires of the Russia's plane to stop it from taking. I was just like, how many fucking Tom Clancy novels do you have to fucking read, you know, from the airport that you bought while you're waiting for your flight to get to that point where you're planning shooting out the tires of the airplane that you think is never right. like what? <laughs> it it's just but it also shows you like the kind of psychopaths that are in charge of these levers of power that they still believe in this bullshit that we all know is bullshit yeah um, but they somehow don't which is really that, the that, scariest thing of all i think the fucking show 24 remember with with fucking Kiefer sutherland oh yeah like why why do they make shows like that because that's a recruitment commercial to get the psychopaths they want to come work for them in quantico <laughs> that's all right, that shit exactly. is uh, yeah, it, it, but so apparently, you know. apparently, yeah. this is working out for them because um, nobody wants to work anywhere else now. <laughs> um, they're they're done working retail. They're done working uh, for for shit wages in places you've never heard of. Um, so, B Business Insider is apparently also only hiring teenage girls to write about uh, the collapse of the economy. I keep reading these articles on Business Insider all written by like the same two or three teenage girls that right. just got a degree. One of them looks like she this is Grace Dean is her name. She looks like she's 11. I showed you the picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She looks like her skeleton's not formed yet anyway, but still <laughs> these articles are hilarious. If you like read past the headline, um, because they all start out as like a woe is me, you know, like how did, how did we get to this point? You know, right. and then you read and it's like, Oh, that's, you just admitted how you got to this point. So, 
just had, I read a couple of these last week, and I just had a couple more I wanted to get to. Uh, a discount store in Maine is closing after losing half its staff. Despite a help-wanted sign in the window, only five people applied for a job in six months, its owner said. So... Huh. Weird. Here did we you, go. Did you put a salary on that on that help wanted sign? Did, did you say, did, "Hey, have I'll, you, I'll pay have you heard of have you heard of Craigslist? Have you heard of fucking Indeed? Like, <laughs> right. So, a discount store in Wiscasset, Southern Maine, says it's closing after thirty five years in business because of the labor shortage. I love how it's it's Wiscasset, Southern Maine. Like, is there a Wiscasset in Northern Maine? <laughs> right. Like, are there two that we should, you know, okay. I'm not convinced any, any any city or town in Maine is actually a real place. Like, every one of these names I hear, I'm like, there's no fucking way that's a real place. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, population 12. Right. Uh, right. Uh, again, labor shortage. No, there's not a labor shortage. There's people leaving these shitty businesses and shitty industries that have mistreated their, their workers for decades. And the catalyst for it was having to deal with these fucking crazy anti-mask, anti-vax fucking lunatics that come in there and spit in their face and demand to be treated like fucking royalty. And people are like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to fucking wait right. on these people anymore. I'm not going to work these jobs. I will go do fucking anything else. I'm not going to work a front-facing job with these fucking monsters anymore, right? Especially right. not for, for fucking poverty wages. Right. So I'm gonna go risk of getting a disease that'll cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars in hospital bills, or, and maybe or kill, me, kill me, or could kill me, to, for, for or, fucking or ten dollars an hour. Right. I just read. I just saw a tweet today that there was a restaurant. Somebody wasn't vaccinated, didn't get their vaccination, had COVID. Didn't tell anyone they were working with. They had COVID. Oh, whole restaurant that's, that's gets nice. it. Whole restaurant gets it. And the person tweeting said, "Yeah, I got it from him, and my parents just got it and died within two weeks." right so just real but, yeah right now but you know, it's it's only it's only my yeah like like your fucking choice my body my choice right. it's my body and my choice to infect your parents right it's, it's like they don't even understand how fucking infections work nope so oh, sick of this shit God, anyway let me jump it, further into this so uh al cohen who owns big al's super value store i mean i don't know why values is plural because you could just say it's Big Al's Super Value Store. It's, it's it's values for merchandise, but it's also family values, which I imagine because uh, this guy's uh, talking to the to a, a, a fucking thing, giving this right wing screed about how people don't want to work anymore. How do you know he's right wing? How do you already know he's right wing? I don't know. It's just it's just a hunch. But why don't you read some just of the articles? Maybe I'll maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, Al Cohen, who owns. Big Al's Super Value Store told local news station WMTW he normally had 22 employees. Wow. Now it's down to only 11. Half the staff were part-time, he said. Cohen told local TV station WGME. So, what? We got two different TV stations in this town. Oh, wow. This, this, is, this is a big fucking town time, right? for Southern Maine. <laughs> So Cohen told local TV station WGME that his part-time employees made nearly $240 a week. But they could make up to $715 a week for a whole year if they took unemployment benefits. So so he's he's number one, he, that's he's, that, yeah, that's not even true, but yeah, but so they made $240 a week. So what was he? Okay, let's just assume he was paying them, let's say $240, I might. 
so maybe that was for 20 hours a week. I'm being, you know, generous. I mean, anything up to 29 hours a week is part-time. So if it was for 20 hours a week, he was paying them $12 an hour. I can't uh-huh. imagine why, why, why people before taxes, by the way, I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't want to risk getting a fucking fa- potentially fatal uh, respiratory disease for $12 an hour to stock your fucking, you know, I mean, garbage on their shelves. Anthony, I mean, don't you realize that all you have to do is is quit your job and then you automatically get unemployment insurance that pays right, six times six, you get paid six times more than you were making. Right. That's, no, that's, that's totally how it because works. Because we we live in in Joe Biden's communist utopia. <laughs> right. So he continues. Cohen, Al, Big Al Cohen, uh, said, "You're competing with the government for employees." Cohen told local te- television station WGME. I love how it's t- this, this how. Uh, Grace Dean keeps saying local television station over and over. She said it like three times. Like, we get it. It's local television. It's folksy. I mean, it's from Maine. It's technically, like- technically, everything's local. Right. I, have a, I have a fucking T-shirt. It says drink local Chicago. And I'm like, everywhere you drink is local. Wherever you are is local. <laughs> right. But when you say local, people think rural. People think white. They right. don't think folksy. city and urban. It's folksy. Yeah. Right. You're just down on the farm. So... Right. You're competing with the government with the government for employees, and they make a lot more working for the government than they do for me. It's oh, like, weird. That's well. Okay. I mean, a it's, a, it's not true, but B, maybe that means you should pay some more fucking money. You cheap yeah. Like, so, so the reporter actually did look this up, did some uh, some diligent investigative journalism. Uh, reports main state unemployment insurance lasts up to 26 weeks and for new initial claims filed on or after june 1st 2021 people can claim between 89 and 511 dollars per week based on how much they were uh, previously earning claimants can receive an additional 10 dollars per dependent per week so he's full of shit he's he's it caps out at 511 dollars per week based on what you were making so you know how much money you'd have to be making to get 511 dollars in employment per week like you over would have a thousand, had, probably. No, you'd have to be making like twenty five bucks an hour, right? To to get that, so yeah, he's full of shit. But the, they don't actually say, well, he's wrong or he's incorrect. They just put it oh, out wait, there. Five, five eleven divided by forty would be twelve dollars an hour. So that that that's the yeah. max that the state <laughs> will pay. Twelve dollars an hour. I'm not <laughs> even close to how much he's making. Right. So so he closes it out here. Al Cohen says, uh, closing the store is the right thing to do, but it's very sad. Cohen told local TV station WMTW, I built the ship, and the ship has been sailing great. All of a sudden, I don't have a crew to run the ship, so it's time for the next chapter of my life. What a fucking douchebag. I mean, really, right? Like, you know, it's just just people like, geez, what would be the magical solution that would solve my labor shortage? Like, the one fucking solution that they can come up with is never just never seems to occur to them because they'd rather give up their business than pay people like, a fucking decent you gotta wage. you gotta fucking pay your crew buddy like right. it doesn't ships don't run without a crew you gotta pay them that's right. <laughs> more 240 <sighs> bucks a week so well, i got another one of these i wanted to read but we're gonna save that for next week because you gotta uh go uh, rescue somebody in a crisis car. management yeah yeah uh, I, there's a ship that's uh <laughs> ship i have to go 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 save from uh from marooning so yeah um all right well but that yeah so that does it for us this week uh but rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast follow us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash move left 
facebook.com slash move left idiots patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left Uh, and i'm on twitter at mike slutty yeah we'll see you next week Started to fade